Now, I personally love sheep. When I was an evangelist and I would drive all around and I would see a field of sheep, I would pull off the side of the road and just stand there and look at them because I love sheep. And I noticed a lot about these animals and I've studied a lot about them. And it is amazing to me that God called us sheep. And I have a book that an actual shepherd wrote this book. I wanted to read something that they've been there, they've done that, and they know what they're doing. And this is his words, not mine. Don't get mad at me. Okay? He said that sheep have a mass mind. They're thinking of 50 things at once. They may be walking this direction, all of a sudden they'll take a turn and go this direction. And you never know what they're going to do. They also are fearful. One little loud sound or somebody throws a rocks, rock and they scatter. Something happens, they start moving out as fast as they can. They're timid. They're, 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 they're timid and they back away and you have to lead them and guide them and and get your rod and your staff and say, come on, come on, we got to go. They're stubborn. Very stubborn. <laughs> I could go a lot of ways in this. You know, they won't change the order of the service. And they won't change the songs. And they don't like if it's hot or cold. And they don't like the loud music. And they don't like the fast songs. Oh. And they're stubborn. But we've always had it. And do you know the very one that's usually saying that? Me. Because I'm older, you know. But we've always had that. We've always done that. Yes, I'm a sheep also. They have perverse habits. You never know what they're going to come up with. You never know what they're going to start doing. And it blows your mind when people come and, and they really shouldn't do this, but sometimes they confess things to me and I try to act real calm, and I'm like, no way. Not you. You're the last person in the world I'd expect to do that. And they, and they fall into these traps and these holes, and, 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 and I'm just totally amazed. Now, this shepherd said, and it's not me saying this, but this shepherd said they're dumb. You can take them the same way 50 times and they still can't find their way. Mm. Listen, this is a professional, profess, uh, professional shepherd, okay? But yet, 
despite all these things, the Lord loves us, calls us his own, and continues to tend to us and work with us, speak to us, pour his spirit out upon us. Oh, my, how grace, he's full of grace and mercy. Oh, my. He buys us. He calls us by name. He makes us his own. He delights in caring for us. Isaiah 53 and 6 says, We are all like sheep who have gone astray. There's not one in this building that was born saved. Not one. It doesn't matter if your dad was the preacher. It doesn't matter if your grandpa was the bishop. No, you were born into this world lost and you needed a Savior. Jesus said in Matthew 18, he said, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them leaves and goes astray, he goes after them and he looks and he searches until he finds them. He leaves the 99 and he goes after even to the mountains to seek for it. Now sometimes I wish one of mine would go to Hawaii so I could go find it. I'd love that. But this is what we're supposed to do. We've got to go after that one. And sometimes, you know, I uh, listen, I have been with, I don't even know how many pastors, and they're all different. And some say, if they go out the door, they're gone, that's it. No, Jesus said, you've got to go talk to them and work with them and try to reconcile things. That's what the Bible says, there's an old English shepherd's term, and it's cast down sheep. We have a lot of these in churches, a lot, I mean, more than healthy sheep. We've got cast down sheep, and I'll tell you what happens. They will walk out away from the flock, and they will find a hollow place, and they'll lay down. Well, how many of you know sheep are round? So they can't lay on their side, so they flip over on their back. And when they flip over on their back, their wool is so heavy, they can't get up. And they start kicking. And no doubt, bah, And they're wanting up. But they can't get up by themselves. Listen, they're cast down but the shepherd is out there looking for it how many times do we go to visit or make a call or go to the hospital and they're so down they can't get up themselves and it takes somebody to reach out a hand and say come on I'm going to walk through this with you you're not alone in this oh my 
And the Bible says he rejoices when he finds and he picks it up and puts it on his shoulders and takes it back. And I believe he's singing into the top of his voice as he comes back to bring it to the fold. The shepherd has compassion for cast down men and women. You don't leave them there where they are. They can't help themselves. They need the good shepherd and us to come along and help them. He is ready to save and restore. And he is the shepherd of my soul. He said, I'm the door to the sheepfold. He said, anyone who tries to get in any other way, said he's a thief and a robber. People's going to tell you how to get to heaven. All you have to do, be a good person. All you have to do is give money to the church. All you have to do, uh, go to church once a month. Let me tell you, they are lying to you, and they will take your soul to that bad place. That's what my mini mamma used to say, to that bad place. Right, Janelle? Yes, they will destroy you. They will take you down the wrong track. Oh, my. I had somebody... Tell me one time, I'm coming to church once a week, and that's Bible study. Because I want to go to heaven. I go, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible says you've got to join yourself, assemble yourselves together. So much more as you see the day approaching. Listen, Jesus is coming. We better get ready. We better get in. You can't get too much of Jesus. Now, I know there's people in my lifetime thought I had too much of Jesus, but let me tell you, you can't get enough of Jesus. Now, if you were a wolf and you were the enemy of sheep, where would you go to find them? church the church he comes in a thief a robber a crazy and just makes havoc of whoever will believe him let me tell you you've got to keep watching you've got to keep looking you've got to know that they're telling you the truth Mm, listen We have to know how to discern spirits. Somebody comes into my church, first thing I ask them, and they may not like it. I'll say, where'd you come from? You live in Corbin? Do you have a prior church? You related to somebody here? I want to know who they are. And then when I get their name, I look them up on Facebook and look at their post. That tells the truth every time. I want to know those that are taking part of the church. 
I want to know who they're talking to. I want to know who they're going out to eat with. Oh, you might say, well, you're an awful nosy pastor. Yes, I am. That's okay. I want to know those who labor among me. Beware of the enemy. Because he will tell you, you don't need anybody. You don't have to join a group. You don't have to get in a connect class. You don't have, you don't have to do any of that. He's a liar. Because we need each other. And when there is an enemy that comes on the field of the sheep, the shepherd said that automatically they'll gather around in a circle and they'll look all around and watch for that enemy. That's what we need to be doing. Listen, some, listen, we live in 2023, and people don't like to be told what to do. They don't. But if I see a sheep, and they're going in the wrong direction, and they may be standing in a corner with somebody that I don't trust, I'm going to find out that what that relationship is. Yes, I'm nosy. But I want to tell you something. I protect my sheep. I protect my sheep. If at all possible. So, we have to know the voice of the shepherd. And we have to follow him. The, the greatest voice you'll ever hear is that small, still voice of the Lord. But let me tell you something I've learned. Pastors, me included, are not still long enough to hear the still small voice. We can't be still. We're doing good things. We're doing good things. But we have to take that time to hear what the Lord is saying to us, how he's directing us. Because there's pitfalls out there. There's, there's traps out there. And we have to watch. Listen. Jesus knew. And he still knows there's an enemy of the church. He hates us because we were made in the image of God. He hates it if we're sold out to God. Oh, my. You listen. And the more we do for God, uh, and the more he elevates us. Uh, listen, I heard this years and years ago. Perry Stone said it. It's not my profound statement. He said, new levels, new devils. And you better believe it. When you start moving up in God, you're going to fight some big devils. It's just like in the ocean. You stand uh, and let your feet get wet. And you might get some nibbles from some fish, uh, but you go on out there in that ocean. I'm telling you, you may run into a shark. Uh, you may run into to the jellyfish that's going to sting you. If you go in deeper, you're going to have to learn to fight the devil uh, and know uh, who you are and whose you are. He wants to distort. He wants to change God's creation. 
You notice nothing's the same anymore. No. Nobody's the same anymore. Why well, don't like being a girl? I'm going to be a boy. Listen, you were created in the image of God, and you were created what he wanted you to be, and that's what you are. Whoa, my Lord. Our shepherd brought mercy and grace to us all. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He went out to those that were demon-possessed. He went to the lepers. He touched them. Whoa. Nobody else wouldn't touch them. But Jesus touched them. Oh, my. Why? Because he loves mankind. None of these were allowed in the sanctuary or the temple. So how could they possibly get to heaven? Oh, my, listen. Jesus came to them. And he came to me. And he took my place on an old rugged cross. He died for me. And we need to die out for him. We need to give him all. We need to surrender all, everything to him. The custom of the Old Testament priest, first of all on the festival of Yom Kippur, they fasted for 25 hours before they could go into the temple. There wouldn't be a soul in here if that was true today. 25, 25 hours, oh, my. And also, they had a five-part prayer service that they had to go through before they could offer the sacrifices. They would go to the temple and they would take two goats, one for the sacrifice and one to be loosed. He would go in and he would cast lots. I've got a picture, I think, of this, maybe. And he would cast lots, which one was to die and which one was to be set free. And whichever the lot fell on to be the sacrifice, he would take a scarlet rope and tie it around the neck of the sacrifice. The other one, he would put a red rope on the horn. Our Jesus wore a scarlet robe as he walked up to Calvary. He would take the blood of the sacrifice and pour it out at the altar after he gets a bowl of blood he would walk into the holy of holies and he would sprinkle the covenant the ark of the covenant seven times and then he would go back out and get the one that was to be set free and take it out in the wilderness and let it go that's what Jesus did for us he died the sacrifice. He gave his blood. He shed his blood upon Calvary so that we 
could go free. Hallelujah. We owe him praise this morning. David said in Psalms 24, and this was the scripture that Nicholas read this morning, Lift up your heads, O ye gates, be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Well, what do we have to do? We have to open up the doors of our heart and say, Jesus, I need you today. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Mighty in battle. What are you saying, Pastor Paula? I'm saying when I'm in the battle, he's going before me. And he can fight much better than I can. But all I've got to do is just follow him and watch my enemies scatter. Oh, hallelujah. That's a promise to us. Revelation 1 and 18, he said, I died. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. How many of you know he died? And when he was resurrected out of the grave, and, and I didn't know this till late in my ministry, but I found out in the Bible that there were many others that were resurrected also and walked the streets of Jerusalem. And I thought, wow, think of that. You walk down the street and there's Mammal. And there's Papa, and you just, where did you come from? Well, now, then I asked a question. I asked, I asked God a lot of questions. I said, well, did they have to die again? But I believe, this is Paula Farmer theory, I believe that great cloud of witnesses that was surrounding Jesus as he went up. I believe that was those that were resurrected from the dead on Resurrection Sunday, and they went up to heaven all to be before God. Oh, hallelujah. So we don't have to fear death. We don't have to fear what man can do to us because he's my shepherd and he's coming again. He's coming again. The king is coming. Oh, he's coming for his church. And I'm going to be in that number. Boy, I wish I could sing. I'm going to be in that number. I'm going up, oh, hallelujah, to be with the Lord forever and forever. Oh, my. Oh, my. He's coming for those that are ready. Are you ready? Well, I guess. Ooh. Ooh, that's a dangerous that's a dangerous thing to answer. I guess. 
I can know that I am ready to go and meet the Lord. I don't have to guess because I know there's a heaven and I know there's a God. I just feel like sharing this with you. It's not on my notes. But I feel like it might help some of you that question heaven. You know, it is hard. I'll get your mind. Even though the Lord says that we're trying to figure it out, well, how's that going to happen? But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you a personal experience of mine. Eleven years ago, my husband was dying of cancer. And there were several in the bedroom around him. And we knew that it wasn't going to be long. My brother Paul, his wife Irene was there. We knew the end was about to come. And he was groaning. Any of you that know me, you know that I have cochlear implants. Because I, I lost my hearing. And I couldn't stand to hear that groaning. And I reached up and I took them out. And I bowed my head and I said, God, I can't stand it. I can't stand it anymore. And God literally opened up the curtains of heaven and let me see my husband standing outside the gate. And I heard his name, John Michael Farmer, enter in, and the gates open wide. I saw all of these people there. My mother, his mother, my little mini mamma. So many people gathered and they was rejoicing. They were so happy to see him. And he went on in and they were hugging him and they were just loving him. And oh, they were just so excited to see him. And all of a sudden, that crowd parted like the Red Sea. Just parted, divided right down the middle. And I thought, Jesus is coming to meet him. Jesus is coming to greet my husband. And when I looked, I saw, and this was all in a vision. I saw two little girls about three years old. And they were running down the street. And they were saying, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And for some reason, I don't know why, he had his new Hope choir robe on. I think he still got that on today in heaven. He was so proud of it. And he squatted down and he scooped those girls up, one in each arm. And he started twirling around. You see... 
five months to the day. I had my daughter, Angel Farmer Stevens, five years to the day. I lost twin baby girls. And they were in heaven waiting on their daddy. And what a comfort. I couldn't, I couldn't have handled losing him if I hadn't had that vision. Because I know where he is. and He's with my girls. He's there taking care of them. And you know, sometimes we think we're not worthy to go to heaven. We're not worthy for Jesus to love. But I'm going to close with this. Because you see, sometimes yous will give birth to their young, and for some unknown reason, they won't take care of them. They won't feed them. They reject them. They'll push them away. And starvation and rejection of that baby lamb. There's another picture that I sent. And this lamb is called a bummer lamb. And that shepherd, he sees what's happening. That that mother is starving that baby and rejecting that baby and, and, and it has nobody. So he goes over. And he takes it, and he begins to care for it, and he feeds it with a bottle, and he loves it and holds it. And he puts it up close to him at night. And every morning when he goes out, and he starts calling his sheep, that little bummer lamb's the first one that comes. He's right there close. You see, the Bible tells us the one that is forgiven the most is the one that loves the most. And that little bummer lamb has somebody to love it. And he wants to stay close to the shepherd. And you may be here this morning and you may say, I'm rejected. I don't have anybody to hold me or love me. Listen to my problems. But let me tell you, there's a shepherd. There's a shepherd that will. There's a shepherd that cares. There's a shepherd that died for you. And he'll do whatever it takes to take care of you. Will you stand all over this building? Maybe you're here this morning and you feel like that bummer lamb. 
Maybe you feel like you don't have anybody to go to. And why would Jesus love me? I want to tell you today, He sent me to tell you. It doesn't matter how low you are. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter how much rejection you faced. We're starving this morning for just somebody to love you. You're starving this morning for somebody to reach out to you. Because you need a shepherd. You need Jesus take over your life and when you're in your room or your home at night all by yourself he'll walk in and here he will pour his love out is the one this morning that you'll say that's me I need a shepherd Yes, I know you have Pastor Sean and, and Angie, I know that. But you need the good shepherd to come to you and to pour love into you, pour forgiveness into you, and comfort you.